I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Tossed Popcorn is a production of iHeartRadio. Hi, I'm Sienna Jekyll. And I'm just grateful my friend is still with us. <laughs> and welcome to Tossed Popcorn, the <laughs> podcast where two idiots, one of whom just saw her life flash before her eyes. Watch every film on the AFI's 100 Greatest American Movies of All Time, the very slightly less racist 10th Anniversary Edition. This podcast is a safer space than my friend's fiat for people who don't know anything about movies. <laughs> Today, oh God, we're watching Annie Hall. I don't, I don't, I, geez, I don't know. I wasn't. <laughs> Number 35 on the AFI list. Warning! There will be spoilers about this neurotic old film. <sighs> I really, I just, I'm just glad I feel lucky to be here today in front of my <laughs> microphone. For I almost did rear-end somebody on the way here. But for once, the outrageously responsive brakes on my Fiat 500 were useful to me. <laughs> they, they, they saved my life. And thank God. Well, I'm just grateful to have something to talk about that isn't this movie. This fucking movie. I, on the way to walk to, on the way to you when you arrived, I was like, I don't want to talk about this film on this recording. I just want to have fun. And thank God you provided the fodder by nearly dying on the way here. The fact that I legitimately feel like that's more fun than... I know! <laughs> the discussion Oh my of God, the headline of the episode, almost dying in a car crash, more fun than watching Annie Hall. <laughs> Oh, Liana, had you seen this movie? Yes. You Actually, had. Let's just tune right in to oh, my... Oh, my gosh. All right. To my prediction. Ugh. Good morning. It's Liana. I'm about to watch Ugh. Annie Hall. Ugh. No. I think I've seen this before years and years ago. If it's the movie I'm thinking of, there's like tennis and lobsters. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to have to Google this guy. <laughs> Love you. Bye. <laughs> I, just want the, I want the listener to know. <laughs> Sienna, in reacting to that, did a tiny laugh and then just gently clutched her nose between her fingers. <laughs> oh. Gently put the face right into the palm. Let's listen to my reaction. Right. Hello, Liana. Hello. I'm about to watch Woody Allen's Annie Hall. Ugh. I predict that the movie will be a love letter to New York. I predict that 
Diane Keaton will wear a lot of coats. So many. I predict that At beautiful once. actresses oh. will have to pretend that they are in love oh. with Woody Allen himself. Uh. I predict that Woody Allen will come off as oh smarter than the other characters who he has written for the film. <laughs> and I predict that Woody is represented in this film as a harmless, misunderstood hey. little weirdo Ooh. instead of a very powerful, deeply spiteful, <laughs> wicked, wicked, monstrous, oh my God. misogynistic, oh my God. piece of shit, <laughs> self-indulgent yes! asshole. Oh my God, go off! <laughs> I have seen this movie. <laughs> well, let's get on with the show. Oh, thank God you didn't die. But if you had, your words would have been preserved. <laughs> she wanted the world to know. This was an incredibly emotional ride for me. Really? I started crying like three times. Really? And I'm surprised as you are. I got really mad, and I think I actually also almost started crying. It was overwhelming. It's sort of like the mother of all film bros in some way. A hundred percent. It's one of those movies where you're like, I know how much this impacted culture. I know how much my dad loves it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I watched it with my mom. Really? This was when, when we watched it. I can't remember, again, like a decade ago or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it always took us forever to pick a film to watch when we sat down to like watch a film, which mm-hmm. I think is part of the reason I don't like movies these days, because it <laughs> takes forever to pick one. It's true. Uh, and I think she said, like, oh, that's a classic. Yeah. And into the trap we went. <laughs> and we watched it. And I remember thinking at the time, like, really? It's just all, like, beige. <laughs> See, I, at the time, part of the reason I think I have a... An extra frustrated relationship with this movie is because I I did sort of like it at the time. Mm. That was when I was going and seeing, you know, like <laughs> indie movies at the indie movie theaters. Yeah. I was totally one of those high schoolers, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. But that's with high school. That's before you know anything about life. That's right. Film bros that are adults have no excuse. They have no excuse. Sienna, mm-hmm. how would you summarize Annie Hall? That's a hard name to say, to be honest, because the two A's are very different. Annie, Annie Hall. Hall. You want to go Annie Hall? I do. Annie Hall? No. Annie Hall. <clears throat> Annie Hall. Annie Hall. <laughs> the porn version. Annie Hall. <laughs> okay. Uh, my whole notes. Hole. I know. <laughs> I'm so sorry that I said any hole. (laughs) Anything is better than this. A summary of Annie Hall. Woody Allen gives us a story about two never-before-seen topics. (laughs) New York City and relationships. In this narcissistic slice-of-life, woman-crushing film bro-fuel, Alvy, played by Woody Allen, is an erotic comedy writer. Annie Hall, played by Diane Keaton, is a singer who knows less than him most of the time. (laughs) And Alvy thinks and talks a lot about sex. The end. Yeah. (laughs) Uh It's just very Woody Allen. You gotta know the... It's... it's, Everybody sounds like Woody Allen. Everybody's tortured and... No, everyone's miserable. Miserable, yeah. Nobody is able to enjoy life. Mm Mm-hmm. No women can orgasm, apparently. I guess, yeah. Which is their fault? (laughs) Of course, because they're on their period. (laughs) Oh, and it's not told in order. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of, it's like 500 days of summer, but they don't do any clarifying of which day out of the 500 days it is. Mm -hmm. And there's some flashbacks. Yeah. To his childhood. They don't do a good job. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like a comedy, like it's like a comedy writer wrote it. A hundred percent. And also just like an asshole who was like, (laughs) The audience has to follow along, and if they don't get it, that's their fault. And it's like, no, it's actually your fault for, A, everybody looks the same, and B, you don't do anything to distinguish which time period or era it is in the relationship. (laughs) Welcome, you poor souls, (laughs) to the historical context segment on a Woody Allen film. Are you happy, American Film Institute? A huge fucking content warning for this segment. We're going to be talking about incest, molestation, sexual assault, and general 
old men dating slash harming young women. Pedophilia. (laughs) Similar to Apocalypse Now, I sort of just went up until I couldn't Google it anymore. Annie Hall. Annie Hall, the 1977 (laughs) film. (laughs) We gotta find something. We gotta reclaim it. Last week it was Snow White and the Old Bitch. (laughs) This week it's Annie Hall. (laughs) (laughs) The role of Annie Hall was written specifically... (laughs) was written specifically for Diane Keaton. I don't know if you knew that. I did. I did not. That was the one sort of, oh, <laughs> fact that I learned about this. It is about the intellectual climate of New York in the late 1970s, <gasps> which is to say, that's why a lot of its references don't make any fucking sense. <laughs> it's like trying to do a crossword from 10 years ago, and you're like, I don't know what pop culture thing this hint is about. What are you what? What are you saying? Okay. During the filming of Annie Hall, Woody Allen began a two-year relationship with a cast member of the film named Stacy Nelkin, who appears in a single scene. He was 42 during the filming. She was 18 years old. Uh, I did the math of their ages, and when I found that out, I said, ah! Out loud. And here we go. Woody Allen and Mia Farrow's marriage and subsequent divorce. Well, they were married. Spoiler alert. And subsequently, (laughs) if you can believe it, they divorced. Oh, Uh, Mia Farrow adopted, I think, four children, perhaps, before marrying Woody Allen. Um, At least two. And one of those children that Mia Farrow adopted is named Sunyi Previn. She's Farrow's adopted daughter. And Woody Allen's now wife. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. According to Previn, the first quote-unquote friendly interaction she had with Woody Allen was when she was injured playing soccer in the 11th grade, and he offered to transport her to school. So there's been many testimonials, many interviews, many court cases about this whole situation, and... Sunyi Previn maintains that Woody Allen was like not at all a father figure in her life, that mm-hmm. they didn't have much interaction when she was a child mm-hmm. growing up. The marriage between Mia Farrow and Woody Allen ended pretty quickly after Mia Farrow found nude photos of Previn, her adopted daughter, taken by Woody Allen, her husband, in Allen's home approximately two weeks after Previn and Allen had first had sex. Mia Farrow contends that she ended the relationship with Alan upon discovering the affair, but Previn and Alan both claim that the relationship between Alan and Farrow had already ended when their relationship began. Mm. A lot of this is, you know, he said, she said, she said, they said. It's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, we, There's not a lot of easily accessible objectivity in this whole situation. He was very uh, influential and powerful mm-hmm. when this was all going on. That's right. <clears throat> in the media. And Sunyi Previn was 18 years old. <laughs> oh! Another quote about the situation is that court testimony from Alan's doorman and housekeeper suggested that Alan and Previn began their sexual relationship during Previn's senior year in high school. And then I took a break <laughs> from Googling for a while. And then I came back. And eventually, Woody Allen and Sunyi Previn got married in 1997. Mm-hmm. She was 21 years old. He was 56. And then somehow, things continue to get worse. <laughs> Alan V. Farrow. Here we are. Here we go. Dylan Farrow who is Woody Allen and Mia Farrow's daughter, uh, has accused Woody Allen of sexually abusing her in 1992 when she was seven years old. The family has become divided by this case. Mia and Ronan Farrow support Dylan. Mia Farrow's um, kids, Moses and Sunyi, both support Woody Allen. <sighs> There's a whole documentary on it, as people know. That's all I'm going to say about that topic, because um, there's a lot of information out there about yeah. it, and it sucks to hear about, and that's all you kind of need to hear to understand this. The older man dates younger woman is a recurring theme in Woody Allen's work, uh, most notably in the film Manhattan, in which Woody Allen's 42-year-old character dates a 17-year-old. 
which people at the time said, oh, it's charming, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to end this with a couple long, sorry, me editing this later, uh, (laughs) quotes, (laughs) because uh, these, I think, were a helpful commentary or a helpful response when people say, well, separate the art from the artist. And we've talked about this with Polanski films as well, because he keeps making films about assault and violence and incest. (laughs) They love making films about about their crimes. Their own interests. Yeah. So these quotes are from A.O. Scott from a New York Times piece, My Woody Allen Problem. Caca! Okay. (laughs) Okay. The Woody Allen figure in a Woody Allen movie is almost always in transit from one woman to another, impelled by a dialectic of enchantment, disappointment, and reawakened desire. The rejected women appear shrewish, needy, shallow, or boring. Their replacements, at least temporarily, are earnest, sensuous, generous, and, more often than not, younger and less worldly than their predecessors. Scott goes on to say... The notion that art belongs to a zone of human experience somehow distinct from other human experiences is both conceptually incoherent and intellectually crippling. Art belongs to life, and anyone, critic, creator, or fan, who has devoted his or her life to art knows as much. Furthermore, Mr. Allen's art in particular is saturated with his personality, his preoccupations, his biography, and his tastes. That was fantastic. Yay! Yay! But the most important thing is, I'm alive today. (laughs) (laughs) May the brakes of the Fiat 500 (laughs) smile upon us all. Are you a lobster on the loose? We'll be right back. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. 
I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Lucky for us in the editing process, I I don't have that many notes. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) No way. I could barely look at this film, so I didn't have that much stuff to write down. Why could you barely look at it? He was gross. Really? He was so gross to look at. You hate the 70s? I hate him. Well, I knew... I knew I was anti Woody Allen. I didn't know the specifics, but I knew it was to do with assault. And I said, huh, there's no need to put this man on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. And also, he's so small and ugly. <laughs> <laughs> there were a few moments where I was watching this <laughs> and I was like, this is not going to be Leon Lipati. <laughs> like, the ugly man <laughs> doing. The opposite of choreography. Oh, it was. Just talking. Oh, Sienna, stand-up comedy is the opposite of choreography. When a man does stand-up, it gives me the ick in inversely proportionate ways as when a man learns and performs a dance, which is the horniest event of the social season. It is the opposite. Oh, my God. Historically masculine versus historically feminine. Mm -hmm. It's not physically demanding. Impressive. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to wear pants that make your butt look incredible. (laughs) Okay. Liana says, run, Lillian. Run, Lillian. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. Carol Kane is in (gasps) this film. Carol Um, Kane plays Lillian on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. mm -hmm. And Titus frequently says to her when they are getting into a little scrape, run, Lillian. (laughs) (laughs) And they run out of the situation. And Carol Kane gets trapped by Woody Allen in this movie. (gasps) And her hair is so long. And I was like, run, get out before he catches you by your hair. (laughs) This was a crazy cast. Yeah, I accidentally, well, I guess on purpose, um, Googled the cast in the middle of the film. Oh, yeah. But before any of the big names had shown up. And so I saw who was in it and I was like, what, what the hell? <laughs> That's... And then they're all in it super young. We got Carol Kane, uh-huh. Christopher Walken. Yeah. That was not right. I'm going to have to do my Hamilton. Walken. Uh, Walken. I'm going to do my Christopher Walken impression later on. Okay. Uh, Jeff Goldblum <laughs> for one line. I, I, I went back. He nailed it. He really did a good job. And also Paul Simon of Simon and Garfunkel. With the weirdest haircut. He looked like he was from the 1300s. Also, I was like, is he 60 in this? (laughs) Is he an aged court jester? Why is his body like this? (laughs) Why is his body like this is a summary of this entire film. The Woody Allen story. (laughs) Liana goes, oh, Liana. I'm so grateful to be doing this podcast with you. Aww. Uh-oh. <laughs> and Liana says of Annie Hall, am I watching this movie in the right order? <laughs> I got really worried <laughs> that somehow the DVD had gotten scratched and was playing the scenes in the wrong order. Were you watching it on a DVD? I was not watching this on a DVD. I rented this film from Apple TV. I thought about rewinding. I was like, what timestamp is it? How do I fix this? People have for decades revered this film for its stylistic innovation. And I was like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Did I mess it? What happened? This is my fault. Did I break the DVD? I haven't used a DVD in years. Is there a VCR in there? It is very clear that Woody Allen does not understand anything about women. This was one of the first movies where we've had several women in it Mm -hmm. where they don't understand women at all. Yeah. Because the other ones with multiple women have been like all about Eve and some like it hot. And we're like, they kind of touched on something. Mm -hmm. This one. It would have been terrible terrible to be any of these women. Terrible representation. They all sounded like Woody Allen himself. Yeah. Except for they didn't know anything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All they talk about is sex. And sometimes they'll say, oh, remember when you did this thing? And then a flashback will happen. They're like glorified well it's really just annie hall the titular character Mm -hmm. is like a glorified punctuation mark oh (laughs) she's like a gorgeous oh annie hall (laughs) (laughs) here's a little comedy lesson for you mr allen that if something isn't ridiculous in your world 
you can't present it as a joke. For example, sexualizing children, perhaps. <gasps> Guys, do you remember that this movie has like some weird moments? So uncomfortable. At the, at the very beginning, it shows like a bunch of children. It's him as a kid. And then he's in the classroom with them. And he wrote this film and he directed this film yeah. and he made a child say, I'm into leather. Yeah. Exactly. I said, ugh, out loud. My skin was crawling for this whole movie. Anytime he put his hands on a woman, I wrote in my notes, take your hands off of her. You know he's got clammy hands, too. He, his whole <laughs> being is clammy. He's a clammy man. He's, he's got a clammy past and a clammy future and a clammy, clammy career. I really hate seeing him in a bed with no glasses on. I hate him. <laughs> it was like when you see a leech on mm -hmm. the beach and you say, ah, oh, the whole day is ruined. You know when you see a leech on the beach. So sorry, I I forgot to tell you. Sometimes I become a Dr. Seuss novel. When do you see a leech on the beach? Uh, it actually was on a rock, but at a lake. Okay, rocks. The beach of the lake. <laughs> I was at a lake beach, and on the rock there was a leech. Uh -huh. I was at a lake. We were on the rocks sunbathing, and then there was a leech right there. And we were like, oh, God, is there a leech on us now? Like, we have to check ourselves for, to see if we, when we were swimming, got uh -huh. a leech on us. Uh -huh. And that's how his presence in this whole movie felt, was <laughs> Diane Keaton was, like, doing great. And, uh. just, like, Annie Hall was fun and endearing yeah, yeah. to watch when she wasn't interacting with a man. And then he would show up, and you're like, God damn it, there's a <laughs> leech here. We got to go. Everybody get your towels. Hit each other. Swipe your legs. You ruined it. We have to go home. Yeah. <laughs> He's a leech. And now around. we're going to feel clammy and slimy the rest of the day. Because there was a leech on the rock beach. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Sienna just dribbled water. I don't think any of it made it into her mouth. I really missed. It missed your mouth like you missed that car in front of you. <laughs> it's because I'm still shaking from it. <laughs> she is, she's shell-shocked from her non- Fender Bender. Oh, I actually do have a segment called Woody Allen's Little Game. Can we hear it? Do you want to do yeah. it now? Yeah. This is my segment, Woody Allen's Little Game. I don't, I don't like that you made eye contact with me during that. His underdog persona masks the fact that he does not have respect for other people. Mm. He consistently has his cake and eats it too. <gasps> I was so mad. That he ate all of the cake in this movie, metaphorically. Exactly. Unearned and, cake. For example, making fun of an overly intellectual cinephile character. Remember the uh, film bro behind him? 100%. Making fun of a person like that is only funny if you yourself do not profit heavily from a career as a tremendously respected filmmaker and one who has used his power to ruin lives and cover it up. Mm. He casts smart, compelling actresses in vapid, vapid roles. Yeah. This masks how poorly written they are. They're NYC ladies, not Hollywood bimbos. She is whiny and emotional and gorgeous, but she likes him, an ugly neurotic writer. Uh. Or the nebbish neurotic persona frames his dark, delusional, solipsistic views of life and his fellow man as endearing. Ugh, yeah. Another part of his little game? Mm. Putting himself next to taller, more commercially attractive males pushes a narrative that he is harmless, mm -hmm. different, and misunderstood. Woody Allen really thinks he's different from he other really people. He does. He thinks he's special. It was the I'm not like Oter girls of films. Yes. That ends my segment. Woody Allen's little game. Now I feel better. <laughs> I've said it all. He's also obsessed with sex. <laughs> but Ugh. just like you see the way how throughout this, the women always pursue him. I could not wrap my head around it. I could not fathom why these women were endeared at all to this miserable, small leech. Uh, and that's why it so, was very distracting for me to watch this time, because I can just so clearly see him writing all of it. And mm. like, I know he wrote her saying that. Yeah. So him being like, oh, you still want me to stick around? Oh, I don't know why this gorgeous woman loves me. <sighs> it's like, because you wrote it. Because <laughs> they're made up. Because you made them be in this movie with you. <laughs> Liana says, quote, can I ask you, is this a sandwich? <laughs> then me in your car, says Liana. So she's giving him a ride back from the tennis pavilion. And he's like, oh, this is a really clean car. She says, thank you. And then he says, can I ask you, is this a sandwich? And from nowhere, he pulls out a sandwich. And I said, that is me whenever I ride in your car. 
There is literally every time I've been in your car, there has been a sandwich somewhere in it. They're so convenient to have in cars in particular. It's crazy. I don't think you understand how jarring it is to turn and just see some of a sandwich. Unexplained. Unannounced. We figured out that Liana, as a vegetarian, has some different experiences than I. And I'd say most I, of America. Well, I eat sandwiches. Which is not loose in my car. I feel like meat is good on the go. Where, for example, nuts. <laughs> or berries. <laughs> well, you, I feel like you think I have the diet of like a forager from the year 500. It's easy to just put meat in a sandwich and go. But, you know, I know you don't have time to go. <laughs> go to the forest. Go to a forest and bring it back to your car. You're always so hungry, too. You have to eat it immediately or you'll die. <laughs> That's true. Oh, good. Yes. You also said Christopher Walken is her brother. I was like, Christopher Walken is in this? What the hell? That was so weird. Yeah. Okay. And now it is time for my Christopher Walken impression. Okay. Which you have heard before, but our listeners have not. This is my impression of Christopher Walken if he were performing the opening number of Hamilton, an American musical. How does a bastard, orphan, son of a whore, and a Scotsman dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean, (laughs) impoverished, something, something, and in squalor, grow up to be a hero and a scholar? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Two little mice. Two little mice. Do you ever see Catch Me If You Can, the musical? Butter out of cream. Yeah. Two little mice. Something. Oh, fuck. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to. <laughs> I'm going to have to cut it. No. Stop cutting me singing out of our podcast. Stop singing. <laughs> so this is a movie about a relationship, but oh, at, yeah. at the end, there's like a montage of like their time together. And I was like, their time wasn't, it didn't feel that. Good. Yes. I feel the same way. And right? it's because, again, we've said it before on this p- fucking podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Toss Popcorn, <laughs> for cursing you. This stupid this goddamn show. Movies now are better than movies in the past yeah. because movies in the past happened. And then everybody was like, well, what if we did that? But it was better. <laughs> so now romantic movies, they actually make you feel something before the ending montage. And then they do that montage and you're like, oh my God, how sad. I f- how melancholy yeah. that they are no longer together. Yeah. I didn't feel anything for these characters. Yeah. So when they broke up, I was like, yeah, you both are miserable and you suck. And I don't like looking at yeah. or watching you. So why would I want to watch you be together more? That makes sense. Yeah. Ugh. You guys obviously don't like each other that much. <laughs> yeah. And then they have the ending montage with the music and whatever. And I'm like, don't try to Though you haven't sold me on this. No, it was not earned at all. When they say I love you, I think even when I watched it in the past, I was like, this is so annoying. Because <laughs> also in high school, wanting to like see like a rom-com. And when Ugh. they say I love you, he's like, she's like, I really like you. I really like oh, you a lot. yeah. And then he's like, but do, but do you love me? <laughs> Imagine if Christopher Walken had played Alvy. <gasps> But do you love me? Read Balzac, the JFK assassination. <laughs> There's lobsters on my floor, and I don't know what to do. We're getting into the very last notes. Liana says, these men are so small. Every man in this film, except for that one man who wasn't small, mm-hmm. was small. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paul S- Simon? Yeah. Very tiny. Very. Big coconut of a head. <laughs> He's a bit of a coconut. Mm-hmm. And his uh, singing partner? Uh, sort of a broccolini. Yeah, very tall. Mm-hmm. The L.A. scenes were a part that I actually kind of perked up for because it was, yeah, it felt very, it, it was interesting to see that L.A. has always been L.A. Yes. <laughs> in terms of its ridiculousness. Yes. But it's like, you're telling me you've never spent any time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. sir? Or mm-hmm. like you never thrived in that environment? He acts Once? above all of it. And yes. he is immersed in all of it. Exactly. Yeah. Well put. Thank um, you. But I did love that Jeff Goldblum line. I forgot my mantra. <laughs> yeah. Jeff. 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 Jeff Goldblum forgot his <laughs> mantra. My <laughs> mantra. Whoa. We're taking an ad break. We'll be right back. 
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Sienna, are you ready to move on? Uh-huh. To badges and trages, mm-hmm. in which we award the film a badge for, for Annie Hall's layers. And trages for things that made us feel <laughs> like there was a leech on our personal beach. My first badge is women. Women. <laughs> the actresses in this were great. Mm-hmm. They were like, it was really exciting to see all of them. Also very impressive to act like you were attracted to Woody Allen. <laughs> That is a tough role. <laughs> Diane Keaton is obviously super endearing. A She's hero. definitely a big reason. A true hero. Mm-hmm. They're so brave. A martyr. Well, I guess she didn't die. <laughs> I have a badge for a depressed child. <laughs> this is like, the, the child is just sitting on the floor and is like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, yes. Yes, bitch. I've been there. I get it. I have a badge for Uncle Nichols. Who is Remember that? The guy, the guy who was like, Nichols. The one who sticks a nickel to it? I think I have a trash for that. Really? I, I don't know if I wrote it down, but I was like, everyone was so ugly and sticky in the 70s that coins stuck to them if you put one on your forehead and just stayed there. <laughs> well, I liked when he stuck a nickel to his head. That's, that's a good calling card. A badge for Carol Kane's hair. Oh. God, it was beautiful. Badge for Annie judging everything she says immediately. <laughs> oh, she was such a mood to say like, hi, ah, uh, fuck. <laughs> yes, girl. Yes, girly. Yes, girly. <laughs> yes, girly. <laughs> and finally, badge for a poofy dog. 
It's behind Woody Allen on a sidewalk oh. for a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that checks out. I didn't know poofy dogs could be so poofy in the 70s. Yeah. I knew people's hair was poofy. I didn't know dogs were poofy. I feel like the 70s was altogether more humid. <laughs> Don't we think? A lot of frizz. A lot of frizz. A lot of stick. Trages? Yes. I have a trage for Lyndon Johnson. He's a politician. You know the ethics those guys have. It's like a notch underneath child molester. Uh, Ooh. Yoink. Nice, nice line, buddy. Yikes as hell. Trash for kissing a child in class. This is when he, as a child, kisses a girl and she says, he kissed me again? And the teacher was like, that's the second time? And I was like, whoa! Ugh. I don't understand what people thought was endearing in the past because all of it is predatory. <laughs> yeah. At least we know that now, I guess. I have a trage, of course, for the child and leather line. Ugh. I have a trage for the lobsters were real. <laughs> yeah. In the film. I thought they would be prop lobsters. Prop lobster. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do think sort of the point was that they were walking around. Did you think they'd be maybe animatronic? Well, I didn't want them to get hurt. Yeah. So, you know, trage for lobster rights mm -hmm. in cinema. I have a trage for the guy who goes to L.A., to pursue his TV dreams, his tall friend with a low voice. Mm -hmm. He's having sex with 16-year-olds. What? When the last time we see them, Woody Allen is like, sorry, I called. It sounded like there was screaming happening. And the guy's like, yeah, you called at a bad time. 16-year-olds, two of them. No. Imagine the, the mathematical possibilities or something. Oh my God, I missed that entirely. It was said in a way that was so offhanded that you wouldn't even... Ew. It was so, said so casually, you wouldn't even notice. And then I went back to make sure. I have a trage for the way that the evil queen is animated in that animated sequence. Uh-huh. And he was still himself, like, ugly and, and sticky and so small. Uh, my final trage is the trage for, oh, she's not like other girls. No other women I want to fuck get my jokes. Yeah. So I miss Annie because all these other women... Don't laugh at my stupid little references. This female character I wrote doesn't get it. <laughs> Unlike this other female character I wrote who sort of got it. And that one really, really wanted to hang out with me. She was like obsessed with me. <laughs> she called me in the middle of the night because of a spider. And then she cried. Oh, women. Well, I was strong enough to get the spider. I'm strong and I'm not scared of spiders. I hate him so much. We could absolutely fight Woody Allen. Oh my gosh. He's so weak. This next segment, mm -hmm. it's called How to Pretend You've Seen This Film. This is for you are in Manhattan at a rooftop party. A rooftop party. You've just played tennis. <laughs> you are just trying to go get uh, yourself a serving of lobster. Oh, a little serving of lobster. <laughs> Before you can get up to the snack table, mm -hmm. you get intercepted, but it's just it, like you see over the top of the person's head and you're like, oh my God, there's a, there's a small... There's a man in front of me. And Alvy uh -huh. has slipped in uh -huh. and stuck right in front of you. And he goes, do you want to know why I moved to New York City? And you say no. <laughs> I moved here because I saw it portrayed by my favorite director in the whole wide world. Okay, I said no. You're actually supposed to have a different response when I say no. And that director is Woody Allen, my favorite film, the one that got me on a plane moving here close to you. Oh my God, was, why? of course, Annie Hall. Oh, Annie Hall? <laughs> I said no. Makes me think about romance, romantic comedies. Uh, oh, Chante. <laughs> and I'm going to keep talking about this right now uh -huh. and block you from the snack table. And in order to stop Alfie from sticking to you, for longer, <laughs> we're going to give you a few sentences you can say to pretend you've seen the film Annie Hall. Yes, Alvy, I know about Annie Hall. It's the film that brought Woody Allen into the serious filmmaking space. Thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alvy, I know about Annie Hall. And before you tell me a single thing about yourself, I'm going to need you to head down to the UCB theater and meet literally anyone in any of their classes from their founding year up until about 2017. Because you'll think you're staring in a mirror, baby. <laughs> yes, Alvy, I know about Annie Hall and the way it has an unconventional sort of sequence of events, the way they're presented. 
Uh, it's not a, in a, a, a linear story. And please, let me get my snacks. <laughs> Alvi, stop blocking my way to the snacks. God. You know what? You're really being a Balzac right now. <laughs> yes, Alvi, I've seen Annie Hall. Pretty awesome. How much Woody Allen takes on the unique and untapped topic of sex. <laughs> Sienna has never looked more dead in the eyes <laughs> on her recording. <laughs> I think I feel sort of responsible for this movie because I like, I, I get it. Mm. I get the appeal. Yes. And so I'm extra angry. Yeah. But I'm, see, this is, you've, you're now doing that work of oh unfeeling that way, unlearning right. that. And that is what many people need to do. Hello. Including the fucking American Film Institute. And Sienna has performed a small salsa <laughs> for the crowd. And much like Sienna, she is doing something besides watching any hole. And now we are going to tell you if we think you should watch this film or if you should do something. Uh, some maybe far away or maybe, maybe real nearby. You'll not be watching this movie because it was made by a guy. <laughs> Tiana, thoughts? You don't have to watch this film. You don't have to. You really don't Can have to. Can you believe it? As an adult, it just doesn't hold up for me because mm. I know too many things. Mm. I am not as dumb as the women he writes Ugh. because nobody is. Merch? So I'd say what you could do instead, if you're looking for something that is funny, by comedians hmm. and shows you New York City, then watch the show Search Party. Oh, I love that show so much. It similarly is satirical and witty, mm. and it's just one of my favorite things I've ever seen. Wow! So uh, watch the heck out of that instead, and see what it's like when more women are involved, mm. <laughs> and when we have, are in a world where we care about people yes. and respecting people. The PWA Society. <laughs> Post Woody Allen. Pwah. Pwah. Liana, how about you? Oh my God, no. Oh my God, babe, don't watch this movie. Oh my God, no. Don't do it. I am saving you from a car crash. <laughs> do not watch this film. <gasps> what you should do instead is you could and should watch Nanette by Hannah Gadsby, the Netflix special. It is very funny. It is very well written and she talks very much about powerful men and who has the ability to dictate their own lives spoiler alert it's not 17 year old girls wow wow liana how would you rate the film annie hall I am going to go ahead and give it a flat zero. And I've said this before of when men cause harm, mm -hmm. we actually don't have to reward them with anything. Whoopsh. Whoa. That's a zero, Whoopsh. zero Christopher Walkins <laughs> out of five. This movie was bad for women and people's rights in general. And I didn't enjoy it. And everybody was ugly. <laughs> except for me, Christopher Walken. <laughs> How about you? I, too, would give this film a flat zero. Oh, my God. Hashtag me, too. Hashtag <laughs> me, too. Zero dumpy, unsolicited sex scenes. Yes. Dumpy, indeed. Everyone's ass was sagging. I guess <laughs> none of those asses could be thrown anywhere. They're so weak. That's what was wrong with the 70s. Nobody could throw ass. I don't think they had enough food and they were smoking a lot. <laughs> So they're asked, there wasn't much. Just melting off. This movie deserves not a modicum more mm -mm. of praise mm -mm. from the world. Mm -mm. But I'd give a five out of five to my co-host for supporting me through this yes. emotional And experience. I'd give a five out of five to the brakes on the Fiat 500 <laughs> for saving my podcast from ascending to heaven. And by my podcast, I mean my friend. I guess the podcast would die too if That's you died. All I am to you. <laughs> oh no! Now you said it out loud. All I. The only thing I see when I look at you is a podcast. <laughs> okay.
Okay, everybody, thank you for joining us on this historic day Ooh. of tossed popcorns, Ooh. Woody Allen experience. Boo! Boo! Boo. Boo. Oh, it's going to be a good day when he dies, too. Thank you for supporting us um, through life and through near death. Oh, yes. Um, if you enjoyed this show or enjoyed Sienna Living, <laughs> please rate us five stars on the Apple Podcasts app or on Spotify. It really makes a big difference and people are going to hate this episode. So please go, go, go to the ratings area of Apple Podcasts and give us a little five stars. And join us next week when we will be watching The Bridge on the River Kwai. <laughs> Live in living color. Let me take you to the river Kwai. <laughs> Thank you. We love you. Bye. Bye. You can find us on Instagram as at Sienna Jekyll and at Liana Holston. Please check the description for the spelling of our dumb names. We put out episodes every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. See you next week on Tossed Popcorn. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check the iHeartRadio app. I'm so grateful for you tonight. (laughs) And not just because you're the first thing I saw after my near-death experience. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.